Well, I want to start off this morning by uh, thanking everyone here uh, for welcoming me and my family. Uh, we are very appreciative of each and every one of you. We, there was a group of you that came to my house yesterday and helped me unload this full, full, full truck. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we would not have been able to do it without your guys' help. And so we are very, very grateful. What a great day to start out, huh? Mm -hmm. Palm Sunday. Uh, I mean, Palm Sunday is when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, into his city. And that's what it's all about. It's about our king. It's about him coming to us, right, as our king. And the question is, how do we receive our king? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, now, <laughs> i got to confess to you, I packed everything on that truck except for one thing. One thing I forgot. And I figured that out last night. I forgot my computer. <laughs> and so last night, I'm like, well, I should go over my sermon. And I'm looking and I'm scratching my head, where in the world is my computer? And the last place I remember using it was in my old office at my old church, and I bet you, I was like, I bet you anything is there. And so I called my buddy Todd, I was like, can you go over to the church? Can you see if my computer's over there? He did, he was very gracious, he went over there. And sure enough, he, he, he sent me a text with a picture of my computer. <laughs> Are you missing something? <laughs> and uh, but fortunately, he, he got on it, and he emailed me my message for today, and so I was able to kind of go through it last night, and uh, so this, you know, bear with me. <laughs> All right, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Uh, it's page 1758 of my Bible. I have no idea what page we're in here. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his, of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found Colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they, they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread their leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, those who were following, were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's 
transcends our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it shout to the Lord, Hosanna. Hosanna. <laughs> all right, well it was in late 2010 that uh, former president, President Obama, began a, a first leg of a diplomatic journey, a diplomatic tour through, through Asia. And, and the first stop that he took was in Mumbai, India. Now, when a president goes to another nation, there's a lot that, that's involved, uh, a lot of preparation that needs to be done. I mean, welcoming parties must be organized, food must be delivered and prepared in a certain way, a certain manner. Parting gifts need to be purchased and presented. Uh, transportation needs to be provided. Traffic needs to be redirected. Uh, I remember uh, one time when we were living in Thailand, there was uh, uh, suddenly we, we got to this one major road and we couldn't get through it. And there was this Everything was blocked off by the police, and suddenly we saw all these vehicles coming through, and we found out that it was like the, the king of Thailand, or either that, either the king or the queen, um, and it, it, it just everything stops. You got to stop with the king. There's also security issues to think about, right? Guards, police escorts, they need to be organized. Bulletproof vehicles need to be procured, and so that the the president. President Obama can be delivered from point A to point B. Secret Service, they need to be informed of all the different vantage points of each place that the president will visit. In other words, all threats need to be eliminated, right? Particularly coconuts. Yes, coconuts. Those feisty, feisty coconuts need to be dealt with. You see, leaving nothing to chance, the officials in the city of Mumbai, they, they had all the, the dried coconuts that were hanging from those trees removed. As, as you never know, they could fall. And, and so they, they removed each and every one to prevent uh, uh, a rogue coconut landing on the president's head and maybe injuring him or even killing him. And this is the level of detail that people go through today when world dignitaries come to visit. Coconuts are removed from trees. I mean, think about that. It is Palm Sunday, the day that our Lord entered into his holy city, the city of Jerusalem. What type of welcome would he find? How would he be greeted as he entered in? Now, if, if you read through the book of Mark, you will notice uh, that in chapter 11, there's, there's a shift that's happening. Uh, it's a turning point in Mark's story, if you will. For the, the, the focus is no longer on the ministry of Jesus, uh, but the focus kind of takes place centered around the temple now. And... and and Jesus, as he's entering into the city, he, he's determined to fulfill a, a threefold role, the role of prophet, priest, and king. And it's precisely this last role, the, the role of king, that, that is our focus for today. 
the, the king of kings, the, the Lord of lords. He's entering into Jerusalem, entering into the city of David. But the question was, would the people be prepared? Would they be re ready to receive their king? What type of reception would, would Jesus be given? Let's, let's look at our passage. Look at, look at verses 1 through 3 again. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a, a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. So here's the scene, right? Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're outside of the city. Uh, they had come to Bethpage and, and Bethany. That's, these are these two little towns that are on the slopes, the bottom slope of the Mount of Olives, roughly a, a mile from the city gates of Jerusalem. And so Jesus, he gives instructions to his disciples on how to prepare for his entrance into that city. They were to find a colt, one that had never been ridden. But why? Why, why a colt? Why, why a donkey? Well, this is fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. It is to fulfill what was spoken of the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah 9, verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, Jesus understood exactly what he was doing. He knew how the people would react if they saw him coming up that pathway to Jerusalem, to the city of David, sitting upon this colt. These, these messianic images of Zechariah's king, that those images would be coming to mind in the minds of these people. What Jesus was doing here was making a statement. He was declaring to the world exactly who he is. He is the king. He, he is the Messiah. He is the, the very one that, that the Old Testament scriptures point to. You know, prior in Mark's gospel, you see all these stories of Jesus healing people, and he kept telling people, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone what was going on. Don't tell anyone that I healed you. And yet they would do it. You know, they, no one can keep their mouth shut, right? Um, but he, he, he was trying to keep his identity hidden. And there was a certain reason for that. But now it has come the time, God's timing. And so he, he wants to reveal himself to these people, who he is. You see, here's what you need to understand. When, when Jesus entered this scene, it, it was during a, a politically charged time. Israel's, if you know anything about Israel's history, it's, it's, up, it's a roller coaster, right? Up, down, up, down. And, and this was a particular point in history where the Jews were under Roman control. And, and so there was much dispute among the people on how to deal with that situation. And many, many people, because of the prophecies in the Old Testament, they were looking for the Messiah. 
They were, they were looking for that king from the line of David. And they were looking for the one who, who, who could lead the charge in battle. They were looking for a king who would bring them salvation by wielding the, the, the sword and the shield. That's what the people wanted. However, not everyone was hoping for a Messiah. There, there were some who did not want that. Think about the religious leaders of that time. Those who were quite comfortable with their Roman overlords. You see, Rome had, had granted the Jews religious freedom. They, they were like the only nation that, that Rome occupied that said, oh, you can have your own religion. Um, and the only reason they did that because the Jews, they, they, they were just so stubborn. And, and, they, and they fought and they fought. And finally, Rome says, so long as you keep paying your taxes, have your religion. You don't have to bow down to Caesar. That's fine. Uh, and so this was the deal that kept the chief priests and the, and the scribes in Caesar's pocket. For, for they, 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 they would be guaranteed these positions of power and, and influence so long as peace remained. Now, would they have liked to see Rome go away? Sure. But, but not if it meant suffering a great loss in doing so. And, and honestly, these leaders rightly knew that they didn't stand a chance if a true rebellion ever broke out. And so they kept their mouth shut when it came to Rome. Think about that atmosphere. This, this was the setting that, that Jesus stepped into. As Jesus prepared to, to, to enter the gates of Jerusalem, riding on a colt, on, on the foal of a donkey, Jesus was making a statement. He, he, he was declaring himself. He was making an announcement. One that would be taken by some as a sign of hope. Hope that very soon that their, their Roman overlords would be, would be mastered and, and that they would be, have freedom once again. And then there's the others. Those who, who did not see this as a sign of hope. Rather as a pronouncement of doom. For if Jesus could garner to himself a healthy amount of followers. If he declared himself as king. Then that would spell trouble not only for Jerusalem but for all of Israel. It would jeopardize. That, that, that small amount of freedom that they had already been granted and that small amount of power that these, the, these scribes and these Sadducees had. And so Jesus, he understood fully well how these different factions uh, would, would interpret his entrance into this holy city, even, even though he had something altogether different. And so he sent his disciples to find this colt, to untie him, and, and to bring him back to him. And you know what? When they went into that little village, they, they found him exactly as Jesus told them. Look, look at verses 4 through 6. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. 
And I've often wondered, you know, why this strange scenario? Why kind of just say there'll be a cult over there and send my disciples over there, untie them, bring them back to me? Um, you know, why did Jesus set up the situation the way that he did? I mean, was it to demonstrate his divine foreknowledge? And perhaps. More likely, Jesus orchestrated this scenario in order to get the word out, to, to spread the word, that, that he was about to enter, this, enter into his city, and he was going to do so riding on a donkey. He wanted those messianic images in the minds of the people ahead of time. And so he, he, he's preparing this entrance. You see, what you need to understand is that at this time, all the buzz was about Jesus. Stories of his exploits had spread far and wide. News of his miracles, of his healings, they were being passed from one ear to the next. Word of the time where he, he multiplied the bread, when he fed the 5,000. People knew about that. It was public knowledge. And from John's Gospel, we know that just prior to his appearance in Jerusalem, what did Jesus do? He, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Think about that. You don't think news like that would spread fast? It did. And so all the talk was centered around Jesus. Jesus and his coming into Jerusalem and about the messianic expectations of that coming. What would Jesus do? What is, what is Jesus going to say? How are the people going to react to him? Would the priests and the scribes, would they finally recognize him as the Messiah? What would Rome do? What are they going to do if Jesus declares himself as king? What's going to happen? And so there's this, this tension that's filling the air. And Jesus knew all of this. He, he knew exactly what he was doing by sending his disciples to get that cult. He was stirring the pot. He, he was giving the city a warning that their king was about to enter. The question was, would they be ready? Would they be prepared? What type of welcome would the Messiah receive? Let's find out. Look at verses 7 through 10. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Apparently, there were many who recognized Jesus as their king. And so they lined the streets leading up to the city gates, shouting praises to their Messiah. Those who were, who were wealthy and could afford outer cloaks, they, they laid them on the ground. I mean, after all, a, a king should not dirty his feet, and neither should the king's colt. Am I right? 
But for those who were poor, those who did not have outer cloaks, what did they do? They, they grabbed the palm branches from the nearby trees and they, they spread them over the grounds. And that was their way of showing honor to this Messiah. They would create that clean pathway for their Lord. I mean, in essence, they rolled out the red carpet, right? Yeah. And with shouts that rang out, they, they cried, Hosanna! Hosanna! This, this joyous cry was, was really, it's a combination of two Hebrew words. It's Hoshiah, which means salvation, and, and not. Short word, right? It means now. So that's what Hosanna means. Save us now. That's their cry. Save us now. Why would they shout this? Why did they have such jubilance and, and heartfelt pleas? Because these people were desperate. They, they were desperate for someone to come in and rescue them. And yet at the same time, they were filled with joy for that someone had finally showed up. Jesus was their Messiah. Jesus was their Savior. And, and so they continued their praises by shouting this, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They have rightly recognized that the, the fact that Jesus is God's representative. In other words, he, he acts on behalf of God. For that's, that, that's what it means to come in the name of someone else. He is God's ambassador. And as his ambassador, the, the, Jesus held the authority and the power of the one who sent him. But the crowds weren't finished with that. For then they, they then shouted, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. These people also rightly pro proclaim that Jesus is from the lineage of David. And that he would be the one to establish God's eternal kingdom. A dominion that was promised to David all those years ago. They saw this, this, this messianic hope being fulfilled through this man. Through this one who was riding into their city, sitting upon a donkey. They saw David's kingdom coming. And finally they, 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 they cried this, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna mean, meaning save us now. Save us now in the highest. Who could be higher than God himself? And where else does salvation come from but from God? And so when we, when we put this all together, what do we see the crowd saying? Please, save us now. Blessed are you who represents our God. Blessed is, is your kingdom, O ruler of Israel. Salvation comes from our God. You, you see, these crowds, they, they, they were correct in their language. Everything they said was absolutely true. But did they truly understand what they were saying? That's the question. Did they understand the full significance? I mean, most of them were looking for a, a worldly king who would defeat Rome. That's what they were looking for. 
within five days. Uh, that, this is Palm Sunday. What happens on Good Friday? Many in the same crowd are going to shout, crucified, crucified. Did they fully understand what this salvation was all about? Most likely, no. I mean, they were looking for a king. They, they were looking for another David. Someone who could defeat their Goliath. They, 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 wanted, they wanted to be released from their oppressors and once again find blessing in the land that God had promised to them all those years ago. But Jesus, Jesus had other ideas of what salvation means. You see, Christ, he, he looks beyond just today. He, he, he sees needs that no one else sees. He, he knows of an oppressor that is greater than any Roman general or Roman Caesar. He understood that there are fates that are far worse than death. And that his battle, it would not be waged with the, with the sword and the shield. Rather, he would fight against the pride and the, and the egos of men. He would wage a war against sin itself. And this, this is why Jesus entered into his city riding, riding on a donkey and not on some war horse or on some chariot. For he needed to be that humble king in order to win the battle that he was fighting. He needed to be vulnerable in order to rescue men from their sins. And so as, as these desperate people were clinging to hope, through their joyous, desperate cries of Hosanna, Jesus, he was a, approaching his city knowing full well what lied before him. For the, for the people's true hope lied in his anguish. It lied in, the, in, in the, his suffering. Yes, he was their king, but he was a king who was about to, about to enter into a city that would reject him. Crucify him. Well, let's look at our next verse. Look at, look at our last verse. Look at verse 11. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Here we see our king finally gazing his eyes upon his sanctuary, upon his holy temple, uh, the place in which for generations he had already dwelt. I mean, year after year, the people came to him offering their sacrifices. How many times was the, was the bull slaughtered as people sought forgiveness? How many times did the high priest intercede for this people? And Jesus was there for every single one of those. And yet, now, God's presence had returned only this time in physical form. Jesus was surveying his throne room. What would he find? Would his subjects be loyal? Would they be managing his household well? What, what type of greeting would, would these caretakers prepare for him in this homecoming? 
Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and he says this. Behold, I, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. This Lord whom they had been seeking suddenly entered into his temple, but they did not recognize him. You see, inside the city, there were no shouts of Hosanna. Inside the city, there were no cloaks laid on the floor. There were no palm branches being spread out. And when Jesus gazed around in the temple, what did he see? What was going on there? He saw a system that was corrupt, for they had turned the house of the Lord into a den of thieves. Would they be able to stand at his appearance? Would they be able to endure the day of his coming? You see, it would be on that very next day that the temple would be cleansed, that he would go in there with a whip, chase out the money changers, that he would purify his sacred ground. Would they also be refined? You see, the people of this world, we, we know how to treat our dignitaries well, don't we? When the VIPs enter the room, we, we roll out the red carpet. When, when ch the champions of this world, when they receive their crowns, the, the champagne flows, right? And when Obama goes to Mumbai, every stinking coconut is removed from those trees. Yet when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords enters into his house, does he find welcome? Did he find welcome back then? Did the religious leaders, uh, did they even recognize who he was? Do you know why the chief priests and the scribes didn't view Jesus as the Messiah? <clears throat> Did, do you know why they didn't roll out the red carpet for him? It's because they didn't think that they needed a Messiah. They, they, they didn't think that there was anything that they needed saving from. I mean, their life was pretty good just as it was. Sure, the, the, the masses, those on the streets, they, they, were they were looking for a certain kind of Messiah, right? Those who were shouting out Hosanna outside the city walls, they, they were looking for that warrior king. They wanted a man who, who could make their lives better right now. But, but, but for those on the inside, those who, who had the positions of authority, they already had that better life. And for them, no savior was necessary. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Dear friends, Christ, 
he comes to his house even today. He enters into his church. And when he does, what will he find? Will he find a people who are prepared to greet him? Are you prepared to greet your king? What kind of savior are you looking for? Do, do you look for a Messiah who will fix all of your, your, your temporary problems? Are you asking for Jesus, asking Jesus for the here and the now? For him to take away all your pain and suffering? Do you want him to defeat your Goliath? Defeat whoever is oppressing you? Do you want that earthly kingdom? Because if that's what you want, if that's the Jesus that you're looking for, I'm sure there are, there are plenty of churches around who, who will preach that message to you. And you can find that Jesus. Yet perhaps you're not looking for a Messiah at all. Your, your life is pretty good. You, you like the way it is. You, you don't want anything to change. You don't want anything to upset the status quo. And so you, sure you may go to church, but you don't really listen to the real need in your life. And so you turn out, tune out when the, when the preacher brings up the topic of sin. Or brings up the topic of God's wrath. For, for if that message is true, that means that your view of yourself is wrong. And that your image of God is a false one. And that in order to find true salvation that you need to repent. Listen, the, the religious leaders of, of Jesus' day believed that they were good enough. And it was because of, of that belief, because they thought that they were good enough, that, 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 that they had these cushy lives, right? You know, it, the only reason I, I can be in the position I'm at is because I must be doing everything right. That was their thinking. Meanwhile, you get the folks on the streets, right? They were being oppressed. They were suffering. They were looking for a savior. But they believed that Rome was their biggest threat. And so they looked for this warrior king, one who could rescue them from their immediate troubles. And yet... Jesus rides into his city upon a colt, upon a lowly donkey. And the salvation that he brings with him, it looked nothing like the salvation that the people wanted. Even though their shouts were accurate. And yet today, we can shout those same cries. The same cries that they shouted back then but it can take on a whole different meaning. For the true Jesus, he wants to fight a different battle altogether. He, he, he wants to wage a war against sin, death, and the devil. And he comes to, to rescue those who have repentant faith. Do you believe in this Jesus? This one who can overcome sin? This one who, who can defeat a greater enemy, the devil. This one who can defeat even death. Is that the Jesus you're looking for? For if he is the one you're looking for, then you can truly cry out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Save us now! 
rescue us from our sin. We can cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, God's representative to us. You see, Jesus, he is fully God. He is holy. He is pure. And he is worthy of all honor. And we can cry out, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. You see, even though Jesus is fully God, he is also fully human. He was born to broker peace between God and man. Born to establish his eternal kingdom. A kingdom that he invites you into. And we can cry out, Hosanna in the highest. For salvation only comes through God. We cannot save ourselves. I don't care how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter. It's not good enough. Only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ can you be saved. Only Jesus can take away your sins. Brothers, sisters, when, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was lauded as a king. But, but he left that city convicted as a criminal. He went to the cross to pay the penalty that you deserve. The penalty that I deserve. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. For it was at Calvary, at Calvary, that he defeated your true enemy. For it was there that your sin died with your Lord. And yet death could not hold this humble king. For three days later, he triumphed over death. He rose from the grave, and now he sits upon his throne in the highest of heavens. And it is from there where he rules, and he intercedes on your behalf. What kind of welcome will you bring? How will you receive your Messiah? How will you honor your King? Repent and believe. For this, this is the Messiah that you need. And this is why you should, you should shout, Hosanna. Let me hear you say it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Let's do a lot. Hosanna. Hosanna. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we confess that all too often we... We desire that worldly Savior. Our, our focus is not on, the, on eternity, but on the here and now. And so we ask that you would help us to repent of that. And Father, sometimes we, we don't even look for a Savior. We don't, we don't think anything's wrong when things are desperately, desperately wrong. And so we need repentance of that as well. And so we ask that you would give us faith. Faith to believe in your Son and in his salvation. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit, that we might be prepared for your coming, so that we too can, can shout from the, from the streets, Hosanna, save us now. Lord, we need your Son. We need him desperately more than ever. We pray this in his mighty name. 